Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Each week we talk about heart rate variability and how it can be used to improve your overall health and wellness. Please consider the information in this podcast for your informational use and not medical advice. Please see your medical provider to apply any of the strategies outlined in this episode. Heart Rate Variability Podcast is a production of Optimal LLC and Optimal HRV. Check us out at OptimalHRV.com. Please enjoy the show. Welcome, friends, to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I am Matt Bennett, here with my good friends, Dr. Dave Hopper and Dr. Ina Hazan. Uh, we are here uh, to further our conversation about the heartbeat of business. Uh, so if you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad you're here. And we'd love for you to stop this episode and go back to episode one of this series. You might be a little lost if you don't. We, we are going through the audiobook version of the heartbeat of business and uh, talking about each chapter um, as we're going through the book. So if you jump in now, you can listen, see if you like us, but uh, really encourage you to go back to chapter one or episode one of this series. Uh, so so you when you get to this episode, you will feel like it uh, makes a little bit more sense. So um, I'm really excited to talk about engagement today. Uh, this is where I, I really saw uh, the job demands and resource model uh, really, when we talk about stress and business outcomes, performance outcomes, engagement uh, uh, really fit into both heart rate variability and this model in, in a great way. So, Dave, I know you have a question for me to start us out today. So uh, I will uh, turn it over to you uh, to, to host. Well, well, thank you, Matt. Um, so, so as we dig into this next chapter, uh, we want to throw the question at Matt of how, how does that relationship work between engagement uh, and heart rate variability? So what, what are we looking at there, Matt, how, how engaged somebody is in, uh, in any given task and, uh, and how that correlates with heart rate variability? Absolutely. So, so again, and you know, you've got these printouts uh, on the uh, our website, so you can download the book for free. If you haven't done that, just the the visuals can be a really good resource for you. But if you look at the top line of the job demands and resources model, you know, really on one hand, we're measuring the stress response, and as we've talked about throughout the series, as the book has talked about. If distress overwhelms my personal resources and the resources given by the organization, that's where I hit burnout. So that top line, and that's where we get negative business outcomes. That top line, HRV gives us a really good measure for how is my team doing today? How is my team doing this month? Um, how are we doing since this new initiative around employee wellness happening? Then we have the bottom line, which again, I really think if we do a good job of the top line, it provides, and this is a little bit of my language, I'll own that, the opportunity for engagement to happen. And if, if we're burned out, we're likely to struggle with engagement. Um, that's what the model shows us. I don't think I'm breaking any news to anybody. If we're burnt, we're not as engaged in our work. We're not as excited about our work. So as leaders, as managers, as teammates, when we're able to succeed at creating a healthy worker, a healthy us, a healthy team, then we have the capacity for engagement. Uh, and that is really where we, we start out with this chapter, um, looking at once we've done that, uh, we have the, the engagement piece. 
And this is where I, I would love uh, to, to bring in and give credit to the Gallup 12. Uh, this is the Gallup Q12 has been, if there's been one piece of research that guided my thinking as a business person, as a, a leader, as a manager, uh, since I uh, picked up First Break All the Rules in uh, 1999, their first book, it's been the Gallup uh, 12. And there's these, and we, we outline these in the book. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, some of my favorites on here and why you think they uh, apply to engagement. But um, this is Gallup's done this huge research study, these 12, uh, and they used to be questions. They reframed these, which I love as a therapist, into statements. They've kept the cue, I just think, for fun. But it really gives us, if you think about heart rate variability measures uh, the health and wellness of the organization, otherwise that top line of the job demands resources model, I really think, and I, I'm not I'm not rocket science to come up with this, that, that the, the Gallup Q12 measures the bottom line. So how well are we doing really engaging our workforce, uh, getting motivated, getting them uh, really on that activation line, as we talked about in our in our last uh, conversation, where there is that that activation, that energy uh, mixed in with that ventral vagal break. So energy plus executive functioning is going to most often not lead to good performance. So, you know, we, I know most people have read or listened to the chapter. So, you know, I want to put out here some of my favorite questions. And, and I want from an HRV perspective, I'd love to get your thoughts. Ina, I'll, I'll start you out with this one because uh, it is by far my, my favorite of all time is one of the Gallup 12 is I have a best friend at work. Um, so I love this because I was in grad school. I was in my MBA program when this came out. Uh, so it was fun for me because I'm like, I'd ask all my professors like, especially the accounting folks, like how, why, why is having a best friend improve my financial outcomes? And they would go into a seizure and, uh, you know, not want to talk to me ever again. So, you know, let me throw it out to you. Um, why do you think the best friend at work is uh, so important? Well, I think uh, primarily because our social support uh, is one of our primary ways of coping with stress. Um, and given how much time we spend at work and how much, how many challenges come our way, um, having a natural uh, way of uh, coping uh, coping with stress right there built in yeah. um, is uh, is really helpful. And you know, we know that. Um, there is a strong correlation between a social engagement um, and heart rate variability, right? Um, and, uh, you know, we know that, you know, oxytocin um, that, you know, we talked about at one of our previous yes. uh, um, episodes, you know, which is technically a stress hormone, but it gets released in response to, um, you know, being in touch with other human beings and or other beings, you know, for, here we I'm, I'm assuming we're talking about human best friends. Yes. Um, so, so, um, all sorts of good things happen when we're able to connect uh, with a supportive, kind, compassionate uh, person right there in the workplace without having to wait until we get home to talk to yes. a partner or you know someone else or without having to make a phone call. Yeah. And, and this is one of the ones where I think it's, a, it's how well we do setting up a healthy culture, because I've also seen, seen best friends at work. Uh, you know, sometimes we call this, it might be a little bit overdramatic for this situation, but I, I've actually seen it in some real dysfunctional places I've worked that 
We can also trauma bond with each other. So if we're in a very dysregulated, unhealthy workplace, my best friend is going to be my support to either try to just keep ourselves safe within the organizational system or to fight management. So, you know, it's it's an interesting double-edged sword that uh, we, we kind of have to be uh, aware of as managers is that bond is actually a good thing. And no, you're not in the business of creating best friends, but I mean, I, I love working with both of you. You know, every time, you know, we have our meetings or, you know, individual or as a group, I get really excited because they're some of my favorite times of the week because get to catch up on all the great work Ina's doing and all the, the trainings Dave's doing. And it's just like so much fun for that as well. I mean, you two are some of my biggest motivators, my biggest uh, sources of engagement uh, as we do uh, work at Optimal as well. So Dave, I'm going to give you another one because I, I know you kind of oversee teams and that as well. Is my supervisor or somebody at work seems to care about me as a person? Why, why should I care about you as a person, Dave? Well, what's, what's going on here? Well, I, I, that is just, uh, that should go without saying. Right? Um, <laughs> it, feeling cared about, knowing, knowing that somebody cares about you, knowing that somebody loves you, um, it's, that is one of the most important things that we can have. Um, you know, I, I talk about a way to uh, avoid depression. You know, surround yourself with people that love you, that mm -hmm. you share a positive bond with in some way. Um, and and granted, um, we know there's different levels of love, right? Uh, right. Like I can love you, you guys, as my different love than the, what I have uh, for my wife, right, or my kids. Um, but uh, but absolutely, you know, if I go into work and I feel like I am not appreciated by my supervisor, am I going to want to do a good job for that person? Uh, number one, and, and number two, am I going to am I going to be looking forward to going into work, or am I going to be dreading going into work? Right. I, you know, th those are huge factors. When I know that I, when I come in, there's going to be a smiling face. There's going to be somebody to greet me. Somebody to say, "Hey, Dave," you know. You did a great job yesterday on X, Y, Z, uh, and just wanted to give you a high five for that, right? Or somebody who even just asks, "Hey, how was your weekend?" You know, right. rather than uh, rather than straight to straight to, "Hey, you messed up whatever last week, and we need to get you know we need to get your your story straight here and whatever <laughs> you know whatever it may be." There are there are times where, as a supervisor, you need to be strict, but showing uh, showing gratitude association showing that as a supervisor you care about your worker um that is that is of the utmost importance or uh, or they won't want to show up they won't want to do a good job they will not be engaged right uh, all they'll be thinking about is what time is it how soon do i leave right yeah <laughs> so absolutely this one that like the 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 most powerful piece of gallup that that i've seen and i'll be honest with you as a trainer I almost want this to be every other slide in my leadership trainings. It's that important. I don't know where to put it. Like, do I put it in the engagement section? It seems to wait. It seems to be too late. So I want to like bring it up, but then it's like, it's about engagement. But the, so the, the research that, that I just find fascinating is the number one predictor of engagement is whether or not your leader, your manager, your supervisor cares about you as a human being. That is the that is the where in many ways the Gallup Q12 is is sort of won or lost when we talk about it. Does somebody care about you? Does your well-being matter 
to your leadership. And that's not something you get in a lot of traditional business books. Now that has shifted. It's been, it's kind of fun to be old sometimes because you get to watch, you get to watch trends shift over time where like, oh, we're just all cogs of this machine, you know, this behavioralist sort of approach to a factory like assembly line. And what we've really found is like, it's about being somebody caring about your your well-being. And so that's where I, I think where I struggle with where to put this is that should really be when we talk about providing resources to folks, that's where they need to feel that on the top line as well, right? So in some ways, feeling cared about your as a human being, um, you know me as a manager cares about your wellness, uh, should, should really be also seen as a resource but also allows you to shift into that engagement as well. And I guess a question for, for both of you, you know, I might, I might start with you to kind of uh, wrap this short uh, 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 follow-up to the chapter up is, as, as a manager, I think we get pulled. Um, on one hand, we got to get people to perform, you know, especially as kind of, oh, we're in this environment where you hear about layoffs productivity, you know, we got to care about money again, um, got to show up to the office because now, you know, the organization has a little bit more power. You know, how would you look at balancing high performance um, and showing someone you care about their well-being? Because I think those don't necessarily have to be conflictual but I think for so I need you to work this weekend. I need you to work the, you know, an overnight tonight to get this project done. I think that there is a struggle for a lot of supervisors is, well, I just can't sit around, tell them how much I love them all the time. Um, I need them to get work done. I just kind of wonder if you have any thoughts on how we balance those things as leaders or supervisors. Yeah, I think um, this is a really good question. I'm going to echo what Dave um, said a few minutes ago. <clears throat> when you've set up a um, relationship with it, you know, with your with the people that work for you, that's based on seeing them as people. That's based on kindness and understanding and support. Um, th those people will be so much more likely to respond positively to extra requests. You know, I really need you to work this weekend, right? You, you know, if you are asked that by a supervisor who is generally mean and uh, unpleasant and non-supportive, it's going to be really tough for you to say yes to that. Yeah. Uh, whereas if it's a supervisor that's kind um, and uh, validates your efforts and recognizes them and, you know, you you'll feel seen by that person, it's going to be so much more uh, acceptable to say, you know what? Yes, I will. I will do you a favor. I will do this thing. You know, I will sacrifice my weekend. Um, yeah. So I think in large part, it's the kind of relationship that you set up from the very beginning. Um, and no, you can't it, you can't always sit around, you know, telling everybody how much you love them. Um, but, you know, that's the case in, in your family as well, right? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we, you know, we love our kids and we want to just sit around telling them how much we love them. But sometimes we have to enforce some discipline and sometimes we have to put in place consequences and it sucks, but we have to, right? Yeah. It's for their well-being. Uh, and if the foundation um, of the family relationship is one of trust and attachment and safety, then yeah. we can do that, right? Then, you know, the consequences become a learning experience. Um in a similar way, you know, with our work family, right, if we set up uh, a relationship that's safe and mutually supportive and validating, um, you know, where people feel 
seen, um, then you can provide uh, criticism, you, yeah. you know, constructive criticism. You can say, you know what, hmm, um, this this didn't work out the way I was hoping uh, it would work out. And, you know, I think uh, this could have been done better. And I'm wondering what got in the way of you being able to get this project done all time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all of that is much more likely to go smoothly when there is a foundation uh, foundation of trust. I love it. I love it. And really looking at that, like uh, we've already talked, you know, spent time thinking about the supervisor, the manager, the leader as a resource, as a person. And this is where this is where I have trouble figuring out where this slide goes, like because on one hand, I want to cover the trust, the psychological safety, um, the honesty uh, before I get to this slide. And yet, like I said, I want it to also be the title of my entire presentation, because it's something that we know, like only. 10% of people, according to Gallup, see themselves as a vital asset to the organization. I think 50% stated, I don't, my supervisor doesn't care about my well-being at all. And I'm working mostly with nonprofit healthcare people. None of the data says we do any better. We, we, we should know better, but it doesn't mean it necessarily translates into our, our leadership uh, style. So that that's really that big piece uh, that we do. Dave, I just like uh, throw that question to you too. Balancing that the high performance, which is often like pushing people with, with that that caring about their their well-being. Yeah, it's a it's a very difficult balance um, because because you can easily tip the other way too, where somebody sees you friend. Than they do as a supervisor. Yeah. Uh, and then when yeah. you do make an request, like, no, dude, I can't do that. I'm going, you know, I'm going to this party this weekend. And yeah. that's way more important, you know. Yeah. And uh, so you don't want to tip that balance too far to the other direction, you know. I and it does get tricky to to maintain a, you know, we're friendly and I do genuinely care about you, but we still have to get this work done. And um and I love the way that Ina, you know, I, I, Ina stated her her way to support somebody and her way to ask what happened. Uh, you know, asking a question like that is so much better than saying, "Dude, this up, you you suck, right?" Like we can't say that, uh, right. <laughs> or be, or people aren't going to be happy about it. So, but we can, but we can say, "What was going on here?" You know, was there something happening at home that interfered with work? You know, um. Is there some way that I can help support you in doing a better job? You know, um, you know what got in the way here, and uh, and that's that is so important. Um, you know, to to always be there to support them in one way or another, and especially um, you know as uh, as we deal with the younger generations coming into the workforce, um, that is uh, that has been a very tricky spot for uh, for us. Perfection is um is that. It, you have to really validate uh, what they are doing and really show that you care before you can ever ask a, qu a question or a paper. Um, so that's been uh, that as well has been has been different because yeah, when uh, you know our parents, our bosses, it was quite a bit yeah. different uh, than they talked to. Uh, well, well we, we, so, we yeah. talk about recognition uh, in this chapter as well, and I, I think you bring up a good point and something I'm hearing more and more. In, in my trainings is like, why don't people just show up and do their jobs? And, <laughs> you know, it's so funny being a Gen Xer because we were supposed to be like the downfall of Western culture. Like 
We we never got off the couch. All we did was wear flannel. I'm still a little worried my jeans are too baggy to be socially appropriate. I'm really struggling with this right now because everybody makes fun of Michael Jordan's baggy jeans. And I'm like, oh, they should see my jeans. They're they're really baggy. Like, yeah, like so it's like you know, so having being older, it's one of those good things. It's like, oh, we were we were that generation, not not too too long ago. And I believe I'm the oldest one on this call too. So I, I get that uh, 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 designation as the old man on the podcast. So, you know, but it, but it's interesting because we've got, especially in a time of high burnout, high stress, we, we all know that we have a negative bias, right? So human beings are designed to really pay more attention to the negative than the positive is sort of our default um setting you know and that's kept us alive right if if we want to maybe yeah what's the saying uh it's better to run away from a stick thinking it was a snake than pick up a snake thinking it was a stick so if we err a little bit on the negative it's been a really good thing for us overall but if you add a whole bunch of stress to an environment it just reinforces that negative bias and so i think what the gallup uh q12 really tells us in many ways is how do we offset that? And that's where recognition is a balance. And this brings in some of the growth mindset research from Carol Dweck is, you know, as leaders really focusing on specific behaviors. I'm not going to spend a lot of time telling you what a great person you are. That is not what we're talking about with caring about somebody's well-being. It's recognizing certain behaviors and sort of shifting the bias more looking for the positives. Um uh, in the system instead of the negatives, because there will always be negatives there. And the more stress we get, and Ina, if I'm correct here, or if you've got any other uh, research, you know, I'm assuming the more stress we get, the more uh, the negative bias becomes. So using some of these strategies to really help off shift that, I, I think can be really powerful uh, and necessary in today's world too. Yeah, um, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think another point, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, to add here is that <clears throat> when we get stressed, we're much more likely to fall back on old habits, uh, yeah, which include that negative bias, right? Because yeah. that's built in. That's as old as it gets. Um, and even if we've learned some different strategies, when we get really stressed, we we still fall back onto the uh, old habits. So I think it shows just how important it is to be setting up um, <clears throat> positive coping strategies as early as possible um, so that those have a greater chance of becoming more dominant uh, strategies. Yeah. So when things get really stressful, um, we're just a little bit less likely to fall back onto the old ones. Absolutely. Great, great point. You know, the, the final piece that I want to do is I have been thinking about this a lot in uh, industries that are just in absolute crisis right now. And I would throw healthcare, social services, uh, education as systems that might not be sustainable. When you look at what's happening, we knew there was going to be a nursing shortage. It's hit us now. Um, people are just having trouble staffing um, or paying triple the rate to get staff, you know, and so we've hit this and, I, and I've, I've been thinking a lot about, okay, how do we, how do we tangibly show this? And one of the things that I've really challenged people is most people hopefully have like an employee assistance program where they, uh, they offer free therapy sessions uh, for folks. And, you know, so if I'm struggling with something personally, I think it's totally appropriate for a supervisor to say, Hey, you know, we have this great resource. Here's the information. 
I, I encourage leaders to reach out and know what that system's like themselves. So uh, it kind of takes the stigma away from accessing it to uh, leaders out there. So, hey, I called up. It took me two weeks to get in, but it really helped me overcome some issues I was dealing with. I just think that's a really good message to give. But it, so many people right now, one of their stresses or even traumas have been from the work that they've been doing and going through the pandemic. Uh that's just put a lot of stress in people's cups, so to speak. And so think about the difference of what we're talking about here. Instead of saying, hey, we have this resource is, hey, we have this resource. And if you choose to engage in it, we're going to give you time at work to engage in virtual therapy. So we're going to actually pay you to overcome the burnout and process the burnout with the therapist. One is showing, yeah, we care about you. Two is saying, we really care about you. And I don't have any data to say one approach gets you a, increases your profit margin by 1%. But I think in a time of extreme burnout that we're in right now in a lot of industries, looking for those ways to say, hey, I don't want to only use your vacation time like we talked about, but I'm going to give you a half day on Monday. So you don't have to worry about all those emails until you get back. And we're going to give you time to catch up on that. So I would really encourage leaders right now, be aggressive with this. Again, still, we're not eliminating expectations. Those are so crucial. Um, that's going to get us on that peak uh, elevation of, yep, we got the energy, but we got the ventral vagal activation as well. Uh, but again, showing people that we care and going above and beyond right now is so key. So absolutely. Can I add one thing to oh, that? Please do. Um, I think very much in line with this, you know, there is some data floating out there that people are much more likely uh, to leave managers than they are to leave jobs. Yes. Right? Yes. So, you know, it just shows you how important it is, you know, as a manager, as a leader to show people that you care about them, because when they feel seen, when they feel, you know, supported, validated, yep. et cetera, when they feel important, um, they're going to be much less likely to want to get away from you, right? right. So, re, you know, as far as data goes, retention, right? And so, this day and age, you know, worker retention is key. Um, you're going to be retaining uh, uh, good people with uh, much higher, uh, you know, much higher percent. Uh, Absolutely. Success. And we know that turnover usually costs about nine months salary of that position to get a new person hired and up to speed. So an hour a week for a couple of weeks to engage in therapy to overcome their burnout, very small investment, very small investment. Dave, you got any other thoughts before we uh, wrap this one up? Um, yeah, you know what? I, something cool that my mom uh, actually said to me when I was very young, uh, she, uh, she said to me that, you know, you can, you can choose to be happy or you can choose to be mad. And she said, uh, you know, um, and you can choose to like somebody or you can choose to have something good about every person. And she goes, if you just choose to see the good thing about each person, you'll always be happy. And um, and it's funny because when, you know, when you start to apply that and you just don't even realize that it's happening, right? It's just become who you are. You always choose to see the positive about people. You always choose to see something nice, um, and a happy, good, positive person to be around. Um, and I, you know, I, I just, um, it's never too late to start that habit of seeing the good, of seeing the positive. I, it, Cause I know you were talking about the, uh, the negative earlier. So I wanted to toss that in there as well. I think that's a great way to wrap us up today, my friend. So I want to thank everybody for joining us. Obviously at this point of our journey, you know, you can download the book for free at optimalhrb.com uh, with this. Uh, so I want to thank you for joining us. 
Uh, we will get the next chapter out next week and uh, we'll uh, be in your feed soon. So everybody have a wonderful day. We will see you next week. Bye everyone.